The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We are talking about what people want to hear, what people don't want to hear. Um, I started out with, I won't go over it, it's, uh, I won't go over my material again, it's on, it's on tape if you want to hear it, but basically, if I can find my notes here, I started out with reading Ezekiel chapter 33, 1 through 7, which talked, talked about being, setting up a watchman, that we need to watch, we need to warn God's people about the dangers that face them. The Bible would tell us that in the last days that people will hate God, they will change or reject what God's word teaches, and they will accept God's physical laws, but they will reject his spiritual laws. So my second observation was that God's truth cannot be changed. And we saw very early on in the book of Genesis that Adam and Eve did exactly that. As a result of their disobedience, God punished them. He drove them out of the garden. He said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. I had three observations about this. Number one, the travail of pregnancy. Nausea, dizziness, faintings, miscarriages, many distresses, including excruciating pain in childbirth. Yes, ladies? I thought this was an interesting way to say it in the second part of that verse, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. Now, I don't think this is talking about the unfailing devotion and love that we'd love to have from our wives. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. I think what it's talking about is an insatiable desire to usurp the biblical order and dominate her husband. But instead, she will have to submit to his headship as prescribed in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, which says... Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, you want to trigger a feminist, read her this verse. We can assume that before the fall, there was likely a much, much more harmonious arrangement. This harmony has often been reduced to distasteful struggles of self-will. We see this destroying many marriages. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? I'd say it's the virtual abandonment of God-ordained and traditional roles. Men working, 
and women taking care of their children at home. What are moms teaching their daughters? What are the older, wiser women in our congregation teaching the younger women? We see what we're supposed to be doing in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. That the older women, that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Do you think there's much concern about the blaspheming of God's word in our society today? I'd say no. Now, men, Genesis 3:17 through 19, we read, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So we see in the first part of this verse, the first, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in, in verse 17, God cursed the object of man's labor and made it reluctantly yield, yield food through hard work. We see the metaphor of weeds and thorns infesting the ground, basically saying life is hard. And isn't it? It's hard. We're not plowing, we're not doing all these things, but it's still hard. And in verse 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. This again pictures continual hardship. Plowing, sowing, reaping, threshing, winnowing, grinding, sifting, kneading, and baking. And then we die. Now, fortunately, I have taken some of this hardship out of my own life by buying my wife a really good grain grinder and a bread mixer. Thank you. (laughs) So, by not listening to God, Adam and Eve cursed the race. We see the upsetting of the roles of men and women. We see the constant struggle of both men and women to conquer our nature, don't we? I'd say, as, as a man, my struggle, what I, what I fail to do often, is take responsibility. I think that's what we all do as men. We abrogate our responsibility. And as women, women are all too willing to usurp that responsibility, because ultimately there's a vacuum there. So now we see, we see not only this example, but we see other examples of falsehood in our day. 
And this is so important. This involves the sanctity of life. We see this, this, this whole issue uh, raging in our society today. Because man wants to be unrestrained in his use of the gift of sex. And it is a gift from God used in the proper way. We see the legalization of abortion, and it affects, what it effectively has done is it has mitigated the consequences of sinful behavior. The standard is even shifting. Under Roe, the killing of, the ch- of a child outside of the womb was once considered murder. No more. Let me read you an excerpt from an article I read concerning the Reproductive Health Act of 2019. It's a New York statute enacted that expands the legality of abortion and eliminates several restrictions on abortion in the state. New York Governor Beelzebub Como, sorry, Andrew Como, has signed into law a bill that legalizes abortions up to birth. While that has been the main focus of the legislation, the new law also, get this, revokes medical care for babies who are born alive after botched abortion. While Congress, this is hilarious, while Congress and the legislatures in other states have tried to pass laws called Born Alive Infants Protection Act. Can you believe it? Born Alive Infants... We have to pass laws to protect our own offspring. Which require doctors to provide appropriate medical care and treatment for babies who are born alive after a failed abortion. The state of New York is moving the other direction. New York now essentially allows infanticide. The law Governor Cuomo signed repealed Section 4164 of New York's public health law, which mandated medical care for any baby born alive during an abortion. So what do we see? Abortion, legal, any time during pregnancy. Before, it was illegal after 24 weeks. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. 24 weeks, hold on to that. The act legalizes abortion, quote, at any time necessary to protect a woman's life or health. Now, what does that mean? Now, what if a woman, I could just see it, what if a woman is emotionally troubled? Well, I guess that provision would cover that, right? Because we don't want her to be mentally unhealthy. The act allows medical professionals who are not doctors to perform abortions, and it repeals criminal charges for harming children in the womb. What a great law. This is barbaric. Como stands up and is lauded for his courageous act in the defense of women. In fact, I don't know if you remember, but they lit up the Empire State Building to commemorate this. Now, we see this in the press too, the New York Times in an op-ed that would make George Orwell blush. A a piece entitled, now get this, Pregnancy Kills, Abortion Saves Lives. 
pregnancy kills, abortion saves lives. This was written by a man named Warren Hearn. He's a founder of the, of the Boulder Abortion Clinic. And guess what they specialize in? Late-term abortions. So why is this happening? I think it's important to understand causation and correlation. What is the cause of the overall spiritual moral decline in our society? What is the cause? I'd say it's the inherent depravity of the human heart. That's the cause. We are born wicked. Psalm 58.3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. So the cause is the depraved human heart. This correlates with a depraved ideology that manifests in a populace that embraces and promotes wickedness. It's astonishing to me to see how certainly the political left and the godless in our society have worked themselves into a frenzy of race, sex, and gender hatred. We see terms like white privilege. Are white people the only ones that are privileged? I read recently Jay-Z, who's familiar with Jay-Z? He's a superstar rapper, entrepreneur. He just became a billionaire. Now, do you think his three children are privileged? I'd say so. And good for him. I don't, I don't care about that. That's great. His kids, he's worked hard. His kids are going to be a benefit, ben, beneficiaries of that. That's good. We see toxic masculinity. Are men the only ones who can do things to excess? We see gender dysphoria. Now, I'm not a geneticist, but women have two chromosomes, XX, and men have two chromosomes, XY. That's, that's what determines the sex of a baby. There aren't any other sexes. We see homosexuality. Recently, I read another article that said Alabama Public Television refused to air an episode of a cartoon called Arthur. Anyone familiar with that cartoon? Yes? I'm not. I, I hadn't heard of it. It's like, so he's like some kind of hedgehog or something. Yeah? What is he? He's an aardvark. You know why they... Now, Alabama Public Television is, is probably not a terribly conservative thing, uh, network, right? But they wouldn't... They wouldn't um, they wouldn't air this because it, it showed a gay wedding. Now, who do you think is being targeted by this? I'm not watching these programs. Do you think they're, 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 they're targeting adults or children? We see infanticide. I have a really interesting story. We have a bridge that's being built in Corte Madera. It's, it's by uh, Marin General Hospital. It's just a little span across a, like, kind of a creek. It is taking them years to build this thing, okay? They're, 
Lisa was talking to, she, Joel was with, with, with um, Lisa, and they were talking to a lady who works at a hardware store right, right, right next door. So she sees all the stoppages. But she said, every time a bird nests in this bridge, they have to stop work and relocate the bird. Okay? Now, I thought survival of the fittest was if the bird couldn't nest there, it'd find another place to live. Now, I'm not an advocate for killing birds, but, I mean, we, you brush the bird off and it'll find another place to go. They have to stop every time. Now, Joel had an interesting observation. He said, we're so worried about these birds, but we're not worried about children being aborted. Now, this, to me, was such a great example. Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but this is what we're trying to teach our children, that they can think biblically, right? How many kids out there would even think this way? This is the whole point. This is what we're supposed to be doing, raising the next generation to think biblically, to, to, to understand what we're up against. But we're jammed constantly with this stuff. Relentless virtue signaling and identity politics. What's the goal? It's to break down all resistance. And it's working. How many churches are warning about this? Very few. But I think we need to be warning about this because it's not only very destructive to the welfare of our nation, it's connected to how we preach the gospel. How can we preach the gospel that transforms people and not indict the ideology that serves to destroy them? People say diversity is our strength. Excuse me. Now, I think it's true in one sense. Let's apply this to our own congregation. We're very diverse. We have people from France, Philippines, El Salvador. We even have people from Petaluma. <laughs> We're extraordinarily diverse. <laughs> now imagine if we applied this to the church. Imagine if we were diverse in our ecclesiology, in our Christology, on the atonement, on the nature of God. Would that work? See, we can be diverse in our ethnic backgrounds, even our taste in food. Some people love garlic here. Others detest it. That's okay, we can live with that. But we cannot be diverse about the truth. You see, our culture will not support diversity of thought unless it agrees with the current approved and accepted brand of thinking. In our Orwellian, egalitarian, pluralistic society, all opinions are equally valid no matter how bizarre or immoral, except for ours. Except for ours. If our Christianity is not influencing our social and political views, we're part of the problem. 
Doesn't the Bible tell us in Matthew 5.13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. God commands us to tell people the truth. How can we preach the truth that says, thou shalt not kill, and support people that advocate the murder of children in the womb? How can we do that? James 3, 11 and 12 says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Back to abortion for a second. This is so fundamental. Why is this issue so contentious? Is it because it's based on science or on emotion? I think it's emotion. I think it's primarily due to the fact that people do not want to be inconvenienced in any way. Especially the sexually promiscuous. Those who reject God always love to appeal to science, right? We see climate change, evolution. But they don't like to appeal to science when it comes to abortion. Fortunately, as, our, as science improves, as we know more about the complexities of DNA, the truth becomes undeniable. Now, I read, too, a, a CDC report that came out in 2015. Now, it's a little old because I think it takes time to compile all the data. There was 638,000 reported abortions in this country. 638,000. I looked up some genocides. Remember Rwanda? We heard about Rwanda. That was in 1997. There was 500,000 to a million people murdered within about four months. That was targeted murder in a very short period of time. This number is, is, is coming down. Do you know what the number of reported abortions was in 1995? Anyone want to guess? 908,000. Here's another fact. 86% of women who had abortions in the U.S. were unmarried. Do you see a correlation? Now, people are always saying, oh, well, what about rape? What about incest? These are terrible crimes. But only about 15,000 abortions were attributed to rape or incest. That's about 2.5% of all abortions. Now again, back to the genetic argument. There's 23 chromosomes. When we have a, new, a child that is born, they're either going to be XY or XX. Whatever you want to call that entity, it's different than you. It's not you. Every single person has a different, different genetic code. 
That is incontrovertible science. But people don't want to talk about that. Now again, no one will deny that anyone that's contemplating abortion is going through a stressful situation. We can sympathize what people are going through. We can sympathize, sympathize with that. But whether it's a despicable crime or an inconvenience, that does not give anyone the right to commit murder. And that's what abortion is. Psalm 139.13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, one more proof. Who can catch? Pass it around. Quoting from CBS News, officially weighing at 8.6 ounces, that bottle, the weight of that bottle. 8.6 ounces. Baby Sabi is believed to be the world's lightest baby to ever survive. She was born in December 2018 at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns in San Diego and was discharged in May 2019 as a happy five-pound infant. Remember that statistic, the 24 weeks, the abortion thing I told you about earlier, where they cut off, that used to be the cutoff, now it's in New York, it's whenever. She was born at 23 weeks. She had no physical defects at all. Now, do you think the pro-abortion crowd was concerned with baby Sabie's right to choose what happened to her body? Were they concerned about that? I don't think so. So, when we change God's word, we destroy the family and God's roles for men and women. We devalue human life. And we destroy normal societal cohesion. That is what's happening. Are you noticing that? My third observation is there is a, a dichotomy between man's acceptance of the physical and spiritual laws of God. For instance, no one will dispute the law of gravity. It's okay. <laughs> no one will dispute the laws of gravity. No one considers this law invalid because it's absolute. Just jump out of an airplane without a parachute, and you will find out that gravity doesn't care about how you feel. But man deceives himself. We think we can bypass God's laws because the consequences are not readily apparent or immediate. Romans 10 verse 3 says, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. 
since time immemorial, man has rejected God's wisdom. We see this illustrated more in Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creator, the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The result, Romans 1.28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate is the Greek word... Let me see if I can say this properly. Adokimos. It means rejected. That which is rejected on account of its worthlessness. To be cast away. We see this word, reprobate, rejected, used many times in Scripture as a warning. Hebrews 6.8 But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So we are instructed in 1 Corinthians 9.27 But I keep my body, I keep under my body, excuse me, and bring it into subjection lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? So, we don't want to bear thorns. We want to be under control. We want to be examining ourselves. My fourth observation is that because man has deceived himself, he thinks he can live as he pleases. No fear of God. No fear of consequences. No fear of judgment. He listens to false teachers who will make him feel good rather than reveal the truth. We see who they are in Philippians three eighteen and 19. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Because judgment is not immediate, they think it will never come. But Hebrews 9.27 tells us, and as it is appoint, appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. In the end, as Christians, our lives will be tried. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay 
than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We also see in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, that this begins with repentance, matineo, to change one's mind or purpose. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Building on a foundation that is not first preceded by a recognition of our condition and a mind a change of mind will result in failure. We see this in Matthew chapter 7. I have to hurry. Chapter 7, verses 26 and 27, about the man who built his house on the sand rather than the rock. Christ contrasts true repentance with false in the parable of the fig tree in Luke 13, 6 through 9. We read, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig around it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well... And if not, then after thou, after that, thou shalt cut it down. So we're supposed to be growing, producing fruit. A barren tree is just sucking nutrients. It's good for nothing. As we continue in Luke, we see the outcome of those who have not repented and did not look to Christ as their only hope. Luke thirteen twenty-eight, And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Addressed here is every category of person without Christ. The reprobate, or the rejected, Romans one twenty eight. We read that earlier. The good person, the self-deceived. We see in James one twenty two. but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then we see the false professor or teacher, the member of false religion. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is Christ's response to them all. Matthew 7.21-23 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, no, we, so we know the end of the unrighteous, but what about us? Ephesians 4.17 
This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye hence not, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in, right, in righteousness and true holiness. So is all hope lost? No. Can revival come? Yes. Let's start in our own lives. Let's start in our families' lives with those in our sphere of influence. Do we want numbers? Do we want success? There's a formula for that. It's called compromise. We can sell out. We'll have this church will be full of people. But we're not going to do that, are we? A very wise man in our congregation once said, living the Christian life is not difficult, but it's hard. It's hard. We understand what the Word of God is telling us, but making application is not easy. It takes discipline and sacrifice. Again, James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And I'll finish with James 1.25. says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org